0: Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba. This is placeholder. Intro song. Welcome to Beardy and the Beast Media Club, a full spoiler podcast discussing a piece of media. We will not cleanse the world polluted by spoilers past. We're available here and on many other services, with a list available at beardyandthebeast.com us a like share or join the discussion in the comments or at our discord my name is drew and as always we have our very own feral fox squirrel devo
1: i was hoping i'd be the feral fox squirrel.
0: today (laughs) we'll be discussing 1984 miyazaki classic nasca of the valley of the wind so devon was the air pure or was it full of toxic
1: spores i i think it was pretty i think for the most part it was Closer to the pure. I really enjoyed this. Uh it's my first time seeing this one. Surprisingly. And yeah. Well,
0: it's it, it's not my first time seeing it. Of course, as any of these go, I never remember my first viewing. Yeah. Uh the first time I saw this, I know it was actually in junior high school. Back in the Middle Ages. That's yep. right. I was I was into Animu before it was Ku.
1: <laughs> I believe we've discussed that on other anime we've watched. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, technically, this is not Ghibli, even though they've changed it to say Ghibli. Um, this movie came out, but I think a year before Ghibli was actually created. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, like, I respect so much the hustle that Miyazaki put into getting this film made. He had the idea to want to make this film. They said, no, because there's no manga based off of it. So he started writing a manga. <laughs> He's doing his own hustle to get it done, eh? Yeah. Like, that's just... So even though the manga didn't finish to like for like a decade after, um, a lot of the beat points are the same and the overall themes are the same because it was the same creator. He knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He always wanted it as a film. And that's just... Just amazing, and the fact that it spun off into what we've seen from Ghibli, its it's I can see most of the hallmarks of Ghibli right from the beginning, and that says a lot. You can
0: definitely see the roots, and that's one of the reasons why I introduced this as a Miyazaki classic and not a Ghibli classic, because though it's grandfathered in, it's not technically a Ghibli, even though I'm going to put it in the Ghibli playlist. Yeah. That's that's my hustle. Yeah. <laughs> but you definitely you can feel feel the roots, uh well, the positive roots. It, <clears throat> this doesn't seem to have s- some of the like negative what I view as like failings from the other Ghibli movies, such as like how howls even spirited away. It's there was none of the oh the the scarecrow was the prince the whole time. No it was yeah. It was it was straightforward uh, everything was connected everything made sense. Everything yeah. was weaved together and there was nothing coming out of left field.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean it was the nothing felt unnatural.
1: Yeah. I mean this as long as I mean he's worked on TV series before um the only movie prior to this one, I believe it was, um, loop in the third. Mm -hmm. This is a fantastic start. Um, and really just when it comes to Ghibli, the only thing that didn't feel Ghibli to me was some of the music choices. Um, I actually is one thing that threw me out a little bit because like half the music was very Ghibli and then half the music was very (laughs) eighties.
0: Yes. There was a definitely a attempt at uh, period music usage. Yeah, I guess you could say. And though it didn't bother me, I noticed that. Yeah. I came out of this and I'm like, this is I'm feeling very 80s right now. <laughs> I'm
1: like
0: I really I really like the color palette of this movie, but I could use a little bit more neon,
1: maybe some purple and greens. I know, right? Um apparently it was somewhat intentional. Uh, I just, I mean, again, it didn't like fully take me out. It, it, it took me out because I've come to expect a certain sound when it comes to Ghibli mm. and, and so that's what threw me out. It's not that the music didn't work. It's just, it wasn't what I expected to be hearing.
0: I guess Ghibli usually has more of a classical progression feel. So it definitely, definitely always matches The story beats behind it and the way that it's pushing forward like that. Um I mean a good example would be like the even like the Star Wars stuff. Mm. The music is definitely developed for the film, uh for those particular moments, opposed to, you know, being random eighties track B.
1: Yeah. Um and the one thing they did do with that is like the, I guess what they tried to do is understanding is the 80s soundtrack was supposed to be more the, um, the Sea of Decay. And then the Valley was supposed to be more of the Ghibli-esque soundtrack.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I <clears throat> it didn't suit it. It was, it was something that yeah. was kind of out of place.
1: Yeah, and that's really it. Uh, especially where, you know, most of the pieces are period pieces for <laughs> Ghibli. It really felt out of place. Yeah, that's probably the, the biggest thing in the soundtrack. That and the guns. The guns sounded weird.
0: There was there was <laughs> a lot said of the weird There There is definitely a lot of weird sound effects things. Like even though it was the forest of decay, it was only decay for humans. Yeah. Right? Like everything else in it seemed to be prospering. There was tons of uh flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. So the la- the lack of a wildlife sound, there was only okay. like say three layers of it. That's like yeah. footsteps, rustling, and maybe like like a cricket or something. It was it was too quiet for that kind of like density in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So especially where the human in the Sea of Decay is not the predator. Um yeah. meaning there's no reason for those animals and that, that wildlife and those insects to be quiet.
1: Yeah, an interesting thing, just talking about the poison there quickly, I read an interesting Fridge thought just when I was doing my research afterwards. And this might've been mentioned in the manga more because again, there's a crossover. Apparently the 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 thought is the Sea of Decay was actually clean air but oh. the humans are so used to the to the toxic air that it became toxic to them right, especially I, I, when you have creatures that large
0: i don't i don't think it tracks just because of what they reveal the the growth of the sea of decay
1: yeah because
0: the sea the sea of, the sea of de, decay actually um, grows up where upwards including the forest floor yeah so everything pure is left below right
1: yeah, and I think Noska actually said something like that. It wasn't that, and, and, and they, this is a the fridge theory, but Noska does actually say something like that because she says it's not the Sea of Decay that's poison, it's the soil that's poison. Mm-hmm. Right, because she had her own garden with the same things growing in it, and it was fine because it had the clean air, or the clean water, the clean soil.
0: I mean, now that we think of it, the... The way that the Sea of Decay cleans doesn't actually make sense in retrospect. So why the forest floor and everything else is like growing upwards. Yeah. Leaving this like cleanliness below. But I I don't understand how that like poisonous lair would grow up and how the forest would lift up say the poisonous soil. Because the way that the trees uh, get nutrients would be from the the roots or the base. So, you know, if we say it that way, then the fridge thought makes more sense. Mm. Because the clean bubble exists at the top, and then where it's it's getting all the pollution slash nutrients from would be at the base. The only yeah. way it could technically make sense is if that fridge fl- fridge thought is correct. Yeah. So Well
1: So there's outside of that fridge thought, um, the other this entered my mind while um when Aspel and Nosca were in that underlayer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually did break notice like I feel like there's a piece of symbolism or mythology that I was missing. Because it actually reminded me a lot of things like um, um, Dark Souls. Okay. Right, where you have um, Ash Lake, and everything is above this giant bubble with a lake and all the trees are going from there, but you would never know unless you actually climbed down a route. So, yeah, it made me think that, there's some part of me- meta myth, I think, that's supposed to be tied there, as well, but I couldn't quite place it.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't observe anything like that, so that would be kind of a point that I missed.
1: And and some of that's probably coming from I was literally just watching some more Dark Souls Bloodborne oh, okay. <laughs> world building, like so, like it was somewhat fresh in my mind. But it just reminded me very much of, of Ash Lake. So, uh, and generally when you start, when you see trends like that in media, it's like there's probably some larger aspect that's culturally tied to that something. Then again, with Nausicaa being as influential as it was, it's also very possible that, you know, the other Miyazaki just took inspiration from Nausicaa for that. (laughs) That's true. It's salt. very true.
0: But what we learned today is rich thoughts definitely sometimes <laughs> hitting the nail on the head. It's the only thing that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um. At least, unless there's a, like a cultural part, because and one of those things, like air that's, air that's too, too pure is toxic to humans, oxygen. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the only thing that does make sense. Yeah. Changed my own mind.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because there was, there was a few things that I thought like when they introduced the, the, the decay right at the beginning, I think one of the first things to note down is like, is this really toxic or do they just think it's toxic and I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it's toxic because we've seen multiple times with like Nasuka not having her mask on in there and there wasn't negative repercussions for it could could have
0: been a a quality thing no i th- i think they i think they established at least at least some point in the life cycle of the sea of decay that it is toxic mm-hmm. it may not be in the primary forest but the way the sea spreads is the like the insects go outwards and then they infest a town and then they uh perish and then their spores are toxic to the people that are there and then it grows so that might be part of the life cycle so fully grown um sections of the forest may not be toxic whereas you know new newly developing maybe but
1: yeah that's that's I mean, it's true kind of
0: theoretical um, at
1: that point yeah because the the other way of thinking is like it might have been toxic at some point mm-hmm. because they've they, I think they established it's been like a thousand years that they basically been living like this so maybe and, and it, it's really just because we see Oscar without her mask at least twice in there and they mentioned someone or something else
0: her, her father had uh, become bedridden after being exposed to like too much of the toxic environment granted like mm. they had kind of rudimentary science from what I could yeah. see of the of that culture so it's possible that he might have had another ailment that was being misdiagnosed yeah. as related to but like so, sometimes like tribal science can be very direct like um I can't remember where the tribe was but whenever they got headaches they would eat this kind of plant And there was yeah. a naturally forming type of I think it was ibuprofen inside the plant so um, I think Willow bark has a set of
1: Metaphim.
0: There we go. That's like, probably what I'm thinking. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think that's. I think it's. Think that's what it is. Yeah.
0: So like, I have to operate on the thought that it is toxic. Yeah. So if they had released a sequel where it was like, oh, it wasn't toxic at all. That was just a uh, a myth to prevent people from going into the forest to and provoking the insects, which would then go out and attack the the people living around it
1: yeah and and that's the thing like I, I definitely think that it was toxic it's the was it still toxic yeah i don't know yeah um so that was just a thought and well, which... kind of followed up on by like in the post credit scenes you actually have i think um yuba goes into the forest again i don't think he had his mask what they, after the bug attack.
0: What they could have done the the problem is how lush they made it and how green they made it look. Made it look mm-hmm. clean. Yeah. They made it look fine. So there was a like not there wasn't any visual indicator when they were in the forest as to it being toxic or deathly aside from like you know, this flying flatworm thing has sharp teeth. Yeah. Like, even though Holmes didn't really look all that aggressive, they had to make the eyes red to make them look mean. Uh, But, well, that's, which, and it's weird, that's something that they could have done, but overall, I really liked. It's the first thing I noticed was the colors. Mm -hmm. Like, the palette was very nice. It was well thought out. Yeah. I read something, they used something like 263 colors over the the course of the, the film. Yeah. And I I think they spent a lot of time actually balancing it and making sure that the the colors actually correspond. Yes. And alongside of that, like, the animation style was very dated. It's in a warm, like, comfortable way. Maybe in a nostalgic way. But you you notice, like... A good example is uh, The Secret of Nim. Yeah. That a- animation was very dated and was hard to become absorbed in. Mm-hmm. But the way that they did it in Noska here, maybe it's just because I'm like used to Ghibli movies and they've definitely kind of ha- have a formula at this point. But yeah. aside from the graininess, it didn't feel 80s. I would even say no, it- like late 90s is the way it felt.
1: It's that one thing that I know we've talked about with Ghibli films before, like they just have a timeless feel to them, mm-hmm. like just the way it's done. And I was actually thinking of making a comparison to Nim as well. Um, Cause it's interesting. Cause these movies are basically contemporaries. I mean, they're only what, like a couple years apart mm-hmm. and it's interesting notes. Like while there was a lot of that, same look in the backgrounds between them. You couldn't tell necessarily a part was going to be moving <laughs> in uh, Noska, mm-hmm. Like you could in, um, so I mean, I guess even that's just kind of that evolution of the animation at the time. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many that it's like, Oh, that's the part that's going to move.
0: Oh, like when the thing that's going to move is a slightly different color. Yeah. 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 I... That's one thing that, like, my mind is from Saturday Morning Cartoons as a kid. Like, I notice immediately, and thankfully that wasn't the case here. Yeah. I mean, I guess you still see garbage like that on, um, in anime when it's like, like an anime when they're doing, like, a filler arc, the animation quality just, like, drops completely, and you do see oh, yeah. stuff like that. It's yeah. like, oh, he's using you know, he's his special st- martial arts technique, and like <laughs> everything is static except for like one arm, It's yep. rotating, and it's <laughs> a slightly different color. I'm just like, yeah,
1: like, I, I, I get it. It's a filler arc. You're trying to save a little bit of money, but did you need to save that much money? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh. And that's it's, it, and that's always on like the big ones, right? The ones that have made bank. so it's like, why even?
1: Yeah. It's probably a time crunch
0: thing. They need to get it out as quickly as possible, so the attention to detail is less.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe we didn't need 52 episodes a year (laughs) of Naruto. Maybe they could have taken a break. (laughs) Just a month. (laughs) Uh...
0: That's one of the reasons why I'm glad they didn't pick up the Breaker as an animated series yet, because mm. the writer and the artist take so much breaks during it that yeah like it it wasn't as bad as say berserk, but mm. it was pretty bad like every like every one in three months there was like just like a month long hiatus for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> Which is funny because the show is called a bre- The Breaker and it's always taking breaks. Anyways, my point there is if that was an animated series, they would end up having just ridiculous amounts of filler because of progression of the uh, uh, Manwa. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's, <laughs> that's something completely unrelated. Now.
1: <laughs> Anyways,
0: yeah, that's coming out this year. So I'm excited though. Oh, was it? Yeah, the third season. But mm. speaking of combat, <laughs> <laughs> I I do like the small amounts of recognition of the past in the show and how the world came to ruin. Yes, like these, and the way that they presented it being so mythical. Mm. I would have almost preferred if the the giant warrior at the end was, say, a little bit more mechanical looking, opposed to being like, I guess you'd call it biopunk.
1: I'd almost call it an Eva.
0: Uh, w- wouldn't you call an Eva whatever
1: one of these were? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, the reference there is the person who actually made the giant warrior is the is the same guy who did Evangelion.
0: It's interesting because one of those things is good. I'm pretty sure it's
1: this. Eva <laughs> was good. <laughs> Throwing his head at me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I it has to be said. Shinji is a little. Little D-Wad is what he is. Oh yeah, he's, he's completely. A, he's a moody little jerk. His dad gives him a giant robot and gets him to hang out with two like super attractive girls his own age. And he just sits there whining the entire time. I'd be doing backflips and my giant robot. <laughs> something hey, Something about funny. a series where you can't... You can't even closely... Even potentially identify as the primary
1: protagonist. <laughs> Interesting story because we're obviously tangenting on this a bit. Um, <laughs> I ended up wa- I ended up watching Rebuild of Eva because the fourth one finally came out, and um, while well, Evangelion is getting the getting the damn robot Shinji, Rebuild is all don't get in the damn robot Shinji.
0: <laughs> so that it makes more. Me
1: greatly. That would make more sense. It's like, oh, there's this giant robot,
0: Shinji. Oh, but you're not allowed. You're not allowed. Uh Uh-uh. I'd be moody at that. I'm the pilot. Why won't you let me do backflips in my giant robot? That'd make more sense.
1: But more on topic, I immediately noticed that... I immediately thought that the Evas were based off of this. I didn't realize how directly until I was looking afterwards. and realized, like, oh, the person who did that is is the same person who made Ava.
0: Well, even the, like the laser blast effect from the mouth, the Mm -hmm. way that it like cut across the ground and then the laser exploded. Yeah. Like that impact area. That's like, that's pretty much how they do lasers in Ava. Except it wasn't a cross explosion. (laughs) For the better. (laughs) The makes sense. I like how little, there was of them though and how Mm -hmm. it does kind of suck from a story point of view that so much of it was built around the resurrection of this giant warrior and preventing it and obtaining it and that seemed to be such a major plot line for the periphery characters Mm -hmm. that it took out like three alms and then melted
1: (laughs) um yeah i felt a little a little let down from that um, I, Letdown isn't quite. It's just quite the right term.
0: It's how the buildup was because if they had pushed more of the mythos of the blue-robed man and the bird,
1: mm.
0: opposed to like introducing it briefly and then just kind of going with that being the fill, fulfilling method. I mean, I prefer the way that it ended. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have wanted it to like you know Noska tames the giant warrior or defeats it directly or something like that i wouldn't have liked that i would have taken away from this yeah. this film but yeah. the they introduced a mythos and then all the periphery characters were based around like a different mythos granted more rooted in what that reality was but
1: mm.
0: like you're following that huge arc and it ends up to be nothing
1: Well, I mean, while the giant warrior didn't, wasn't effective there, I mean, it still was the main catalyst and they did explain that they basically woke up the warrior before it was ready. Yeah. See, so, so it made sense that it only got a few shots off before.
0: Yeah. That's not the part I have problems with. That that part I actually really appreciate. Yeah. It just, I think, I mean, it was obvious from the beginning. You, you probably could tell right at the beginning where they were introducing the mythos of the blue robed man with the bird. And You're like, oh, especially yeah. the way that it like paused on Noska's face, and her she was kind of looking in the same direction as that, the storytelling image or whatever. You're like, oh, it's gonna be in yeah. the yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, obviously.
0: But they they could have worked that in a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think see I don't
0: That's that's probably the, the root of where freaking Ghibli storytelling ended up coming from. <laughs> oh we'll just give him a little tidbit at the beginning and then that'll be the the thing at the end. And I mean that's the, not a that's And the scarecrow was the prince the entire time.
1: I mean that's pretty common though. It's like it's set up for something to come in much later. I really don't think most people actually knew much about the methods, except for Obaba.
0: Well, so I'm the, saying the it learned, like it needed just more foundation for it from mm-hmm. a story progression point of view. Um, uh,
1: see, I almost think, I almost think that it would have, I don't think I'd appreciate it being brought out much more honestly it's because it's a world myth. So it's, it's used to kind of explain a bit about the world overall. It's used for that world building. Here's the myth of the, the hero who did try to unite and then having it come back. Whereas I'm trying to think how to phrase this.
0: Well, the the thing is like, there was no, there was no like symbol of the the blue robe man. There was no tapestries. There's nothing in the background. Um, the story itself was self-contained at the beginning, and then at the end, there was nothing that was like containing it, except for the fact that it was mm. Nazca. So that's what I'm saying from a story progression point of view. It doesn't transition well, and that's what allows the giant warrior to overshadow that entire arc. Right? It's just it's it's awkward.
1: Okay, um, I, I see where you're coming from, um, but I mean, is I don't think I quite agree with you, but I definitely can see where you're coming from with it.
0: Compared to the structure of other Ghibli films, this is definitely a whole lot more cohesive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> At least things make sense.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I did. I did have a moment. I had to go back because I had missed something. Mm-hmm. Because she was wearing these bright pink robes, and yes. then all of a sudden at the end she was in blue robes. Yes, like this, where like so, I had to go back, and I'm like, "Am I crazy? Were they pink?" And then the way that they changed the color of the robes was so fantastic. Once I had rewatched it, mm-hmm. having it been. Uh, from the blue blood of the baby Ohm having died yeah. at blue, the like I really appreciate that transition. Even though I didn't notice ahead ahead of time and had to revisit because of it. Yeah,
1: and and it's interesting because it's like the only time she wasn't wearing blue <laughs> was with that red, red to blue. So definitely, uh, I kind of missed the change to him. Like, what, but what happened there? <laughs> she was wearing pink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean we've seen in other movies like silent hill mm-hmm. where that is purposeful but they literally started from the first scene and and change it so you don't even realize it's changed mm-hmm. um like I, I just like the idea of that yeah, yep this blue robe thing is because it's drenched in blood <laughs> walking down these golden feelers from <laughs> instead of a golden field of wheat <laughs> Going back to the tapestry
0: <laughs> yeah, and it—I I appreciate like the the connection that she had. They definitely had her have that kind of natural or like connection with nature, and that yeah. feel, and they like established that early, which was nice. And they showcased that along the way. The thing—the thing that I didn't understand when it came to the Nazca character herself was the whole, like, just her constantly, like, with her arms outstretched in, like, the, uh, like, kind of a crucifix stature. Why is this making all the young men stop what they're doing and abandon what they're doing? Like, it happened with the pilot, and it happened with the gunner in the little, like,
1: Eggman ship. Alright, so, I, th- I think what it is, is it's the idea of the hands up. She's showing herself as, um, as not being a threat. And one thing I noticed, um, I've, I've noticed this with, um, Kushina. All of the princesses look the same. Oh, like they all look related. Like, I honestly thought that Kushina would have been like her mom or something. Hmm. Because like there was just enough of that same like hair coloring and and similar eyes, so because you got to remember when they s- stopped shooting at her, they specifically they specifically said um, um, Lestral. They said her name each time.
0: Oh, uh, I guess it, if they if they did look the same and she was wearing um, the clo- clothing of a main of the Ajit Kingdom. Yes. And if they do look similar, that would make sense why the young the young boy would be like and stop shooting. Cause yeah. he even said, Yeah, I remember that moment, but I didn't connect it.
1: Yeah. And when she was doing it to the floating egg cup ship. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Stop shooting. They didn't stop shooting her. They did shoot her. It was some there and she was... just jumped at she jumped at them anyway while she was being shot.
0: Well, that's when she she did, like, the cross thing. There was, like, there was a hesitation because, like, the boy did that same thing. Said her name there. I do wonder about... uh, What's her name? Um, The warrior princess. Krishna. Kushna? She seems to be a person of contradictions. I'm not saying this in, like, a negative way. She's very strong, and she's obviously seen a lot. And in combat, like even lost lost an arm, what they
1: implied, possibly both legs,
0: possibly as soon as she was confronted with like an unknown circumstance, specifically in when they're in the forest, and like she just kind of like shuts down, she acts out, it doesn't go well, and then she just stops it just it it was just this weird character contradiction that I noticed that i don't I don't. Th- I don't know if I would have liked her to continue just being headstrong. Perhaps it was that moment where her character changed. She did seem more receptive at the end of the film. Even though she made bad choices. So. Just a complex
1: character. Yeah, definitely complex character. I saw like the being quiet part, not so much as um, out of place. I actually saw it as very in place Mm. for the character because she's battle-hardened. Clearly it wasn't the time to battle, so don't. Bide your time and then as soon as she had the opportunity she freed herself from their streets and okay, and left. That makes sense. Um, yeah. The other thing that I find is cuz I see a lot of the same types of things actually with Nausicaa as well. Um and and I think the characters were meant to be mirrors of each other, much in the same way as um sauna and lady She was in hmm. mononoke and because like you have kushina who's definitely the very battle hardened and doesn't have a problem going into battle mm-hmm. but can can go calm then you have nausica who is clearly you know the, the pacifist type she, she's more about the life and protecting life but holy crap can she fight yeah <laughs> right because you could almost argue her Going out and basically wiping out a squad of people on her own,
0: of warriors, (laughs) and it's only
1: stopped. Yeah, and is only stopped because um, because Yupa literally takes the blade blade in his arm, and that's what it takes to commerce. Like, okay, she's got that same contradiction,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? So it's that same side of like different sides of the same coin, almost.
0: I think that's a good analysis of. Like the two char- characters ju- juxtaposing them against each other, they do—they mm-hmm. do definitely come off as mirrors of each other.
1: Yeah,
0: which it makes it kind of suck that we didn't get to get to know the Pajit uh, princess. Yes, at all, because I bet you there'd be like an interesting interaction there. I guess for the story, it wouldn't have made sense, and it would made it cluttered. But it's an interaction that I would have liked nonetheless.
1: Apparently there's a lot more of it in the manga, mm. a, a lot more of her character. Um, I was reading and it, it was saying that it really shows off that two sides of the same coin mm. a lot more. Um, cause it also shows apparently the manga can actually get quite bloody mm. and would it Nausicaa, it, yeah. And Nausicaa is very, very much a brutal combatant. Like, they they say, like, she's literally second only to Yuba, the guy who was feared, known across all of the other countries.
0: Well, and that's that's one thing that fully made sense to me just from the background and the things that you could see. Um, for instance, when you go down to Noska's secret room, Yuba had to kind of weave his way around a bunch of old armor and weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, broken gunships and things so this this is a breakaway culture that came from a warrior culture, yeah that had taken up peace and serenity in this uh this valley it's It's clear the entire culture, like all the men, women, and children, are all capable, and the regular civilians can fight and are willing to do so, oh yeah. Actually, one of my one of my favorite scenes is when the the two women like push aside the soldiers and then start chopping down the wood with like I think one had a shovel and one had an axe. They're like, yep. don't give a crap that you got swords and guns. We need to do this right now and just like push them aside." Yeah,
1: I like the fact they were so like they knew how capable they were because the guys are like. We don't want to give them their tools to, to try to save the forest because we know they can use them as weapons. Well, when... when and the, then they do. <laughs> well, you got to think also
0: their experience is a 90-pound girl that is like a person in this village just took out like seven of their warriors. Yeah. Like, it's... It's kind of important to recognize that that would spread by word among the troops. Yeah. And these were the warriors that were also traveling with the princess of their culture. Mm-hmm. So they're, they should be some of the most capable ones. Yeah. Yeah, that just highlights how much Noska kicks ass.
1: Yeah, she really does um the other scene that like just really hit me for how much nausicaa kicks ass is when you have this 90 pound girl holding up a 90 pound minigun at the end of the film and go no we're doing this
0: oh yeah 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 the lmg yeah yeah (laughs) i remember that
1: just like you know she would and, and i just no doubt in my mind she would have no problem using that if she had to
0: yeah i think she'd brace proper i wonder what kind of training she had not that it, it just like but you in the manga it would express more
1: apparently in the manga yupa is the person who taught her to fight mm. so
0: like knowing that it's interesting seeing the comparison between how they fight like nazca mm-hmm. has very much got an animalistic side but one of my favorite scenes is you put like flying throughout through the air with like his hands on the hilts of his his two weapons, and like he lands and every every movement he does while combating with his dagger and his sword, look, were animated in such a way that they were calculated and they were precise. Yes, like there was no wasted movements. Everything was exact in how it was compared to. Uh, Nasca, which probably more like a cornered badger.
1: Mm. Well,
0: I mean, more efficient.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely more efficient. Because um, it, it's one thing that, as a overall theme, that I don't feel quite got explored as much as it could. Was um, the idea of rage and fear and those emotions. Hmm. Because that's what, like, that's very much what Nasuko was representing in her fights, was like pure rage. Right. And then the Olms do the same thing. And it's just, but I don't think they explored it quite as much as they could have.
0: That's interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was like a primary theme, it was definitely secondary or tertiary. But I do agree that they could have expanded on it.
1: Especially like, because they mentioned it so often.
0: And it's not like Nosco was, like, struggling to keep back the rage. She had yeah. the one bout and then was just, like, I mean, panicked occasionally, but pretty low-range, like, even-tempered throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. So, interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I were to make a small change to this, that I think would improve it, it they would expand upon that a bit more.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really, really it. Cause like, there's just enough, there's enough aspects around it. So um, I mean, even, even the squirrel Fox. Yeah. The the squirrel, the squirrel Fox, the Ohms, <laughs> uh, was that similar thing? You know, just blind to rage. Um and it's easy to see how mononoke was meant as a spiritual sequel to this film
0: mm.
1: because there's the similar themes there and I, I noted this almost right off the get-go how similar like the ohms were to the the kami mm. in mononoke and they just played on that that little bit better that the idea of the corruption had a keep that serenity, um, around the corruption. Uh, that's why, partially why I think they were trying to do that here and just didn't quite have it fleshed out as much as it should. It was just casually mentioned too often to not have that impression.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Mononoke definitely explored it better. However, I think overall, I appreciate Nausicaä in its entirety more than Mononoke. It just there was just some weird choices in Monaco- Mononoke and some weird wastes that kind of take away from from it. Like especially like forced romance and things like that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. If they if they made Nausicaä nowadays. They'd probably end up trying to like do a forced romance plot with uh, what's his face and Noska. Yeah, and yeah. this this movie is far better without any type of romance plot at all. It's yeah, like it doesn't mean it. I, I I don't actually the majority of movies that I watch. It's like I don't care. if she likes him or he likes him or whatever bullshit like. Unless the movie is about their relationship, I don't actually care entire <laughs> care that much because it's yeah. so, That's it, like people are so much more than that. Yeah, you know their their interests, their their life experiences, their likes, their dislikes. Like, it's just one piece of the puzzle that makes a person. So when they, I, I think having a romance plot in Noska take away from it.
1: Oh, I agree completely, and I'm very glad that they didn't do that in any way. And if anything is like, you got the idea of them being friends and or almost that familial type relationship, especially when they're seeing the resemblance of the sister and knowing that she did what she could to comfort the sister when she was dying. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate how they did that. It's it's
0: it's also nice to see like another movie with like a lot of flushed out. Uh, strong female characters, being like the primary protagonists and antagonists. I, if we compare in that aspect, this film to Mononoke, I think this film does it better. Yeah, though so I do, again, I think I do like the antagonist from Mononoke better. It's her face? Iboshi. Yeah, Lady Iboshi. She, she real Lady good. Awesome. <laughs> she real good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, because um, you, you don't have a reason to uh, dislike Kushuna. Yeah. You know, you just kind of do because she's, like, she's got tanks and guns, and, like, some of her warriors killed a dude. Granted, the father of the protagonist, which is an important caveat, but, uh, like, per- her personality wasn't unlikable. Yeah. Especially in the second half of the film, where she was like, "No, I want it. I want to hear what Noska has to say." Mm-hmm. Like what occurred. Like it was, it was even almost like she was giving
1: Noska a chance to resolve the yes, the entire situation. And that's, I, I agree. I think, and I think this is just so shows the strength that the growth that's happened with the Ghibli films mm-hmm. overall, right? Because in we're, I don't think the concepts between Nausicaa and Mononoke are that different. I I, I was seeing parallels. I was seeing parallels throughout. And I think, so if we take, um, oh, I can't remember his name from Mononoke.
0: Oh, the useless prince.
1: Yes. The useless prince. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, that's a negative to Mononoke. Because here we didn't have that character. We had we were following the character who was actually making the changes. Mm.
0: Um Well Mono, Mono, but, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean an argue could be made argument could be made from uh that movie that She wasn't really the primary protagonist, she was more of a force of nature within the film.
1: Mm. For whereas,
0: yeah. Whereas yeah. I mean, my preference would have been if she was the primary protagonist and it followed her more directly. I think it would have yeah. been
1: an enhancement on the film. I agree. And and that's, that's where I was going to go, because the, the rest of the character work that happened in Mononoke, I can see it as being the expansion of what they were trying to do with Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I, I saw the same same connection between Iboshi and, um, and Kushina. Like they're, they're it is of... so much better <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i can see kushina like parallels being yeah. basically the pro it's the prototype of yeah and they managed to just make it more complex in mononoke but i think they were trying to go for the same thing but they didn't have the same we didn't get quite the same emotional resonance around it uh, and I'm not even quite sure why we're we're missing that resonance. I guess maybe it's just because it's so overt, the, like what the man made, um, what the, the factory was doing to the environment. It was so clear, whereas in Nausicaa, it was more happenstance that Kushina ended up having to take over the Valley of the Wind. Yeah. And, and it honestly could be something as simple as that, that helps, helps flush out Eboshi as well. That's
0: true. That's true. This movie, speaking of like flushing out things, this, this movie does something really good as far as, uh, drawing me into the world. It makes me wonder about the other cultures. Hmm. Like, the the technology of the Valley of the Wind, the Pajit, and whatever uh, the, the country that
1: Olmecan um, um, Mac- or something like that.
0: Yeah, Almakin. Very different looking technology, customs, that sort of thing. It made me really wonder, like even about the daily lives of people in those kingdoms. Yeah. Especially when they say, yeah. like, the Pajit Kingdom had, like, the Great Dome, and that was something that was really important. They mentioned mm-hmm. that, like, even that fell. So what's the cultural significance of that? So that really kind of pulled me into the world. Mm. And I find that a very positive thing.
1: I agree. Um, yeah, the the world building was, like, as soon as I realized there was among manga, was like, well, I've got something I need to add to my reading list right away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because, because of the same thing it's like, I, I do want to know more about this world. It's, it, it's, it's such an interesting take on, uh, that post-apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? We have, we obviously see three different cultures at the surface dealing with it very differently. We see, again, the Valley of the Wind and Nausicaa's people literally just trying to work with the land. Whereas Bajit clearly further away and tried to tame, try to control the land, I guess. And in a way they did, because it sounds like they basically controlled the Om to do what needed to be done. And you've clearly got this militaristic Ptolemakin.
0: Now that now that you mention this, this actually kind of frames the like the the rage and the fear. Because even those those two countries, the Pajit um originally unearthing the warrior to use and then also direct the rage of the Ohm towards the Valley, mm-hmm. Valley of the Wind, them rep- representing the rage. Whereas the Tolmekin, even though they appear to be far more militaristic, their technology seems to be more basic than the Pajit. Yes. The Tolmekin um their actions were out of fear of what the Pajit were doing. Yes. So, um, yeah, that kind of just reinforces what you were saying earlier. It's just something that I yeah.
1: just just thought of now. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things that we're, it's there, it's just not explored as well as it could yeah, have been. Yeah, agreed. And, again, I just have to keep comparing it to Mononoke, because we basically had a similar... Um, Mexican standoff in Mononoke as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right, we had a boshi, we had the the shoguns, and we had basically San, all kind of doing the same thing and all kind of just playing off of the, yes, the three, uh, the central themes in that one. There, watching. Um, I can't remember San's mother's name. Like trying to be that balance while we have these other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was just caught in a war.
0: It's interesting, like just to go back to the very beginning of the conversation, how much this shows the framework going into the the Ghibli movies mm-hmm. after. Like this definitely in inspired and influenced the works of the entire studio going ahead. Yeah. Except for maybe <laughs> your wig.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, tales from Earthsea. When we ever get to that one, that'll be another interesting one. Oh no! From what I hear, um, I mean, it, it's one thing that I find interesting as we've as we've explored the Ghibli films that we've watched so far. I've noticed that a lot of the misses seem to be films that are adaptations Mm. howls earwig um are adaptations of english english books by the same author and um or um hayao miyazaki is not the director of Mm. right i mean we know i mean we know spirit away they, they have their issues but overall they stand up as solid pieces and somebody notice the ones you tend to crap on more so than, than <laughs> not are the ones that aren't this Nazca formula or not the Mononoke formula. I mean crap enough that it's a meme yes, by yeah. now.
0: I'll tell you this what though, this, this one is definitely not a miss. <laughs> so much so that I would only give this one three red omis out of
1: 14. I'm curious. Did you count the eyes on one of them? I did. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: and then I confirmed it from another picture of a different home <laughs> to see if there was, was. like sometimes they'll draw them with with changing <laughs> eyes amounts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um. No, I I agree. It's yeah it's, it's just very very tight very well done film and for this to be essentially his debut film mm. I mean he set the bar high and generally sits around the bar
0: yeah i think so
1: like that's impressive and it
0: and so th- this film when i originally saw it uh like it was actually my homeroom teacher in junior high school grade 7 i was already familiar with anime so i was uh, i was like why is my why is my teacher showing us an anime film in retrospect it was probably because um he was trying to get us interested in the environment and environmentalism yeah and i i can see that's where like my my concerns for things like water conservation And just being, not just a a terrible, terrible polluter. Like, I do my best. I'm not preachy about it. Um, That's probably where a lot of the bassists come from. Bassi. The bassists. You
1: know. (laughs) boom (laughs) boom.
0: So, like, having having it impact a me from like a young age and it has that kind of timeless classic feel and i i would firmly it's a tough one i could ask you on this one if you had to choose this one or mononoke just one of them to re- recommend to someone which one would you
1: choose oh that is a tough one i'm leaning slightly towards mononoke while i prefer Nasca as a protagonist Again, it's a lot of the the themes that were trying to be done in Nausicaä were just done better in Mononoke. Mm -hmm.
0: And I I agree. Um, I I like Nausicaä better. It's just something about it that I enjoy. Maybe because it's not 12 hours long. Um, (laughs) But the themes are... More well explored in Mononoke, and it also has a like a film and an animation style that is more accessible. Yes, uh, especially to someone who might not be fans of the art style. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that's more approachable for the normie. The normies. <laughs> I was going to say non weebs Is there a difference? <laughs> Yeah, there there is a difference because I'm no longer a weeb, but I'm definitely not a normie.
1: <laughs> yes, but you were a weeb. Ex-weeb is still not a non-weeb. <laughs> <laughs> you have no proof. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I definitely have to go have to go that way. Just overall, it's just, both of the films do things a lot of things very right. It's just Again, the, like the character development with with Eboshi and how complex they managed to make all the antagonists within Mononoke kind of puts it up that, just that little bit more. It showed the complexity that this one was clearly trying to show, just that step up and other than, you know, Useless Prince <laughs> uh, overall. I think that works better. Um, one thing I'd like to note, just as we're talking about that, because I mean, both obviously have that environmentalism feel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clearly part of the message. Uh, I know I said this during Mononoke as well. It didn't beat you over the head with it being an environmental message.
0: Uh, I love it. I uh, I hate when any any film just ends up being an activist soapbox. Yeah, I'm like. No, as, as soon as you start preaching to people like that, they just turn off their brains. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. They, it's, it makes you, they they both make you invested in the cycles of life in these worlds that they've created without turning around and being like, because you, the Watcher, are human and you contribute to this, you're an evil person. Yeah, And that's, I mean, that's, A quickly growing trope in um new media at least in western new media yes and i mean it's
1: (laughs) and here's your very special message with the cartoons we grew up with (laughs) surprised me that much
0: it is also nice to watch a movie where ahead of time someone involved in the production like a writer or the actor, it's it's nice to not have them come out and start rapping on fans immediately, even before the film is released. That's nice too.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry, I gotta say it. I'm pretty sure at this point, every time that's happened, the movie has actually been terrible or the show has been terrible, and I think it's just pre-cover or the bad yeah. <laughs> reception that is about to happen because they know that is just yeah. bad. <laughs> I agree.
1: I think we actually talked about that a little bit in uh resident Evil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways. Um, I,
1: um, moral of this yeah, story.
0: I uh clean good. <laughs> Yeah, clean water is good. Like Don't leave your taps running, turn off your lights, yeah. recycle, try to compost. <laughs> yeah Uh, but like if your neighbor doesn't do it don't yell at them
1: yeah (laughs) and i'm really glad that this one has the message without beating you over the head and i was worried at the very beginning when i saw the world wildlife foundation endorsement of the film i'm like oh is this going to be (laughs) preachy
0: the answer is it's the mid 80s no yeah,
1: <laughs> that is true. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, I watched, I watched Battlefield Earth and that wasn't preachy. <laughs> Anyways, before we tangent again, good movie, I enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> and Fiend. With that, this has been Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Join us next time where we discuss the craft. As always, if you like what we do, like sub share with your friends or join us in the conversation in the comments or at our discord later